Yo, what's up? How's it hanging, my dude? It's it's go it's going weird, man. I'm not gonna lie. This whole coronavirus thing is still going on. Ridiculous. And we're st- okay. I propose something new. Let's have every week the coronavirus news of the week <laughs> and how it affects the tech and or gaming <laughs> industry. Any new developments this week? I already have my story for that. So I'm going to talk about that. I don't know if you have one. This is literally, like, I literally just brought it up. So if you don't have one, that's fine. I I think we can definitely pull it off every week. I have one that's, I have a couple that are somewhat related, but they don't really talk about Corona in general, and they're kind of big stories. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I can talk about them if you want. I mean, when we get to our stories, we will, I'm sure. But, uh... Welcome, everyone, to Season 2 and Episode 12 of the Let's Talk About It podcast. Um, I think we should rename Season 2 to the quarantine season. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what it has, like, I don't know, maybe the last five episodes, I want to say? At least. Yeah, so this fifth episode... It's all, we're almost to the halfway point where half of the episodes we're, we're talking about coronavirus and the effects of the quarantine. Um, and it also has disrupted the news flow quite a bit. So we'll just uh, we'll keep an eye out for that one to see how wow. that goes. I decided to look and see when it started. And literally, just in our titles anyway, we might have talked about it in the episode before, but in titles, coronavirus is in our fourth episode. What? So... <laughs> This will be eight episodes now of what? what's going on. Oh my gosh, that's more than half our episodes already. Even this podcast is getting infected, dude. <laughs> that's wild. I'd rather not think about it. I miss going to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, alright. Anyway, without further ado, we'll jump into our stories. Um, the tech coronavirus news of the week is Google-related, funny enough. Um, it was decided on March 20th that the Google I.O. conference has been completely canceled. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but a couple weeks ago, Google announced that their I.O. conference was going to be canceled in person, meaning that they were going to have an online conference version of Google I.O., kind of like a, you know, like a Nintendo Direct sort of online presentation, and that was the plan. Uh, but... That has even been canceled here um, because, uh, quote-unquote, from Google, uh, out of concern for the health and safety of our developers, employees, and local communities, and in line with recent shelter-in-place orders by local Bay Area counties, because they're in the Bay Area of California, um, which is actually in like a pretty big lockdown right now, uh, we, uh, we sadly will not be holding an I.O. in any capacity this year. So that was that's the statement that's that's on their I.O. website, if you visit it. Um, they also added, right now, the most important thing all of us can do is focus our attention on helping people with the new challenges we all face. Please know that we remain committed to finding each other, to, to finding other ways to share platform updates with you through our developer blogs and community forums. So, a uh, quick reminder. The original Google I.O. was supposed to take place from May 12th to 14th of this year. Um, and that's usually where they show off um, new Android features. That's usually where they show off like a new Pixel phone, 
whether that's going to be like the the A series and then like a teaser to like the full on Pixel phones. Um, it was announced March third that they were going to hold an online version, and then what? Two weeks later, March twentieth, they just completely canceled the whole thing. They're like, nah. Yeah, they're like, nah, homie, we're not going to have a conference this year. They, Which they, I, <laughs> they left all the stuff just on a desk, and then they can't go pick it up. Yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we got a, like a sneak peek preview at Android 11, like a developer preview, mm-hmm. DP1, and then shortly after that, DP2. Um, so a lot of people are talking about the newest version of Android, and then, you know, all of the leaks that we've had for the last couple months on the the, the Pixel 4a. Um, that's Yeah, the Pixel 4a. On the Pixel 4a, you know, which is a phone that a lot of people are looking forward to and then after that the recent leaks about the pixel 5 um stating that uh, you know the pixel 5 is not going to be like a flagship phone with a qualcomm like 865 processor like the fastest processor um the leaks that were actually taken from the camera app for the pixel 5 uh were were showing that it's going to have like a mid-range processor and so everyone's speculating that the pixel 5 isn't going to be like a 900 like flagship phone that it's going to be like maybe like a 600 like mid-ish range phone from google which i'm all about i'd be so down for that but we're gonna have to wait even longer now to get solid details on that because i always canceled so that's the corona news of the week for me <laughs> um and then, so that's it for the Corona news. Uh, on not a completely unrelated topic, we're going to go ahead and go into the tech section overall news for this week. Um, it was revealed this past week by Qualcomm, which makes the Snapdragon you know, system-on-a-chip processors for most Android phones now. Um, they actually revealed two new system-on-a-chip processors, but they're not for smartphones, and they're not for portable laptops like they had shown off about a year ago. Um, these two new system on a chips are actually um, wireless audio chips, interestingly enough. Um, so these two processors are called the Qualcomm uh, QCC514X and the QCC304X. Um, the cool thing about these ultra low power processors is that um, they're basically uh, Bluetooth audio systems on a chip. Um, they're targeted towards entry-level and mid-tier audio products, which is really cool to see any type of like new technology coming out for like the lower end of the price spectrum for consumers, at least, right? Because I don't want to spend 250 bucks on AirPods. I don't right. know about you, but... No, <laughs> but I'd rather uh, spend that money elsewhere. Um, and so there's there's a there's a couple new or really cool features that these chips bring to like the Bluetooth audio game. Um, of course, the 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 list um, is improved battery life. So you expect to get more juice out of you know the tiny tiny batteries inside of your wireless audio solutions. Um, connectivity, sound quality, and call quality, uh, and the and. Uh, and it has the the ability to easily switch between stereo uh, and mono audio. So in case you only want to use, you know, truly wireless headbuds, you know, they're not connected to each other. Uh-huh. So you can set it to where you have stereo sound, you know, sound coming out of one, 
or the signal is split in between the two earbuds that you're using, uh-huh. or you can set it to mono so that the full spectrum of the audio is just going to one. So you can listen to the full audio, but just on one That's earpiece. Cool. Yeah, instead of listening to half the audio sample, yeah. which is pretty, pretty cool um, to see on lower end devices. Um, the two key features uh, of these, uh, uh, that these, uh, that these are that this uh chi- these chips are going to offer is that um it's actually consolidating the the signal and the bluetooth connectivity of both earbuds into one signal so i didn't know this until i bought my own pair of of uh, truly wireless uh bluetooth earbuds like oh gosh we're in march so like two months ago uh-huh. um i got them for uh, for the gym because I had Jaybird X3's headphones that fried, and so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try, you know, the these wireless earbuds, and I bought like the cheapest pair on Amazon, dude. They're like 27 bucks. <laughs> they suck, by the way. Um, but I did not know that the way that the that most um, truly wireless earbuds function is that um, there's actually two audio signals that come into the into uh through the earbuds so each of the earbuds they have their own bluetooth signal uh-huh. and the way that it works is that the bluetooth on your audio feeding device like your smartphone or your tablet or whatever it may be um it attempts to pair to one of the earbuds because that's a limitation of bluetooth currently and the and how they communicate um and then it's your ear uh, you know the earbud that connects to your phone or your device initially has a processor that's specifically um, programmed, and it's only like pro like its only process is to sync the audio between the other earbud, which is wild. Yeah. And so with that, the problem with that that I experience personally a lot of times is that your audio could desync real easy. Uh. And so yeah, and it's like, it's like. It's hard to it's hard to measure, but I would give it like maybe like a ten or twenty millisecond difference in audio, in the earbuds. So like, and it would happen randomly. So I'd be running at the gym, you know, like halfway through my exercise, and all of a sudden, like the audio would slightly change, and I'm like, frick, like they desynced, like even just a little bit. And so like I'd have to like turn off both the earbuds, and I have to repair them to each other, and then I'd have to repair that to my phone, and it was just it was just cumbersome, really. So. Uh, I'm glad to see that new, these new Qualcomm chips are going to be kind of getting rid of that and that the audio no longer has to be filtered that way and that both the wireless earbuds will be equal as far as like the wireless fidelity through yeah. Bluetooth. Um, so that was really cool to see there. Um, one of the, let's see here. I mentioned that there were two features and that was like the big one. <laughs> um, as far as the other feature that I really um, that I was really interested to uh, to talk about here has completely escaped my brain because I didn't note that. So <laughs> <laughs> there's just just uh, just keep in mind that there's another feature there that you can look into if you really want to. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, that's the other. Now I remember. Great. Great. The second feature that's really, really cool is that both of these low-end chips will natively support uh, ANC, or what's called active noise canceling. So even though the earbuds weren't made to actively cancel like outside audio, um, 
which is currently a feature that you see on a lot of expensive earbuds. Mm-hmm. You see it on the Jabra's. You see it on like the Beat, the Power Beats, uh, the Power Beats Pro. Um, you know all these earbuds that are like 175, 200, 250 dollar earbuds. Um, on these low end chips, that's going to be something that's built into the processor itself. And so, it's really cool because um, the way active, you know, for those of you who don't know, who are listening to the podcast, the way that active noise canceling works is that your earbuds or your earphones, right? They're producing sound waves for your music. Um, And the way that it cancels audio is that at the same time that it's uh, producing your your audio from your music or whatever it is you're listening to, um, there's microphones on your headphones or earbuds that listen to the sound around you. And then your earbuds will actually produce the opposite wavelength audio to cancel that out in your ear. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. So, yeah, yeah, it's really cool technology. <laughs> and so it has its limitations currently, right? So, you know, active noise canceling works best in environments where there's, like, a constant droning noise. So, like, people on airplanes, for example, the airplane engine sound, it's a pretty constant wavelength of audio. And so it's easier for noise canceling to kind of disrupt that. But if someone's talking to you, you know, it's going to be very obvious that the noise canceling isn't working as well as it does like on a plane right or like on the road if you're driving a car that has like lots of noise inside of it Mm -hmm. um so that's really really exciting to see that kind of natively featured in the processors of these earbuds um and hopefully since they're you know entry level and mid-tier chips we're gonna see lots of newer wireless audio solutions with these features implemented so I'm excited about that because <laughs> you know you know me. I'm excited for for cheaper tech. Um, so that's it for that news story. Uh, moving on to uh, another story here, kind of piggybacking off of the Google I/O cancellation completely. There is some good news. Uh, Computex in Taipei, which is the the computer you know PC trade show of the year uh, that usually happens in July every year has been officially rescheduled to September 28th through the 30th of 2020, um, which makes me super, super happy. Um, if we have paid attention to the coronavirus cases in China, we've seen that they have actually gone down in cases um, and it's starting to reopen. I want to say supposedly they said they haven't had like a new case reported in like a week or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I do know, for, for me personally, last I heard that they have not seen any new cases was like Monday or maybe Sunday. But I'm not following it yeah. that closely on how it's developing in China. So I really, or how, <laughs> how it's developing in China. Um, so I, I, I don't really know what the situation is over there. Um, but I do know that since things are kind of, you know, since the outbreak started over there, it's going to end over there first, right? As long as the precautions are being taken yeah. as, as appropriately, you know, across the board. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, that's a good sign that uh, we're going to be seeing Computex actually happening in September. So I'm going to be really looking forward to that. Um, it's right around the time where my season effective, uh, seasonal affective disorder kicks in when I get super depressed for no reason. So that's going to be great for me to kind of keep me happy. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on from that story here, I have actually, I have, I have lots of stories compared to other days. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Honestly, but, so do I. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's a sign that this coronavirus is going to end soon. Then we'll be inundated with news. 
Um, but uh, moving on from that, we have the weekly AMD story. Um, and the AMD story for this week is that there was actually um, stolen intellectual property. So a hacker actually stole some intellectual property about AMD's upcoming GPU. Um, spe specifically, their desktop RDNA 2 architecture. So not the one that's like in the PS5 or the Xbox uh, you know, Series X. Um, the interesting thing about this is that a lot of news... Uh, you know, sites, a lot of news sources were saying, were like freaking out, right? They were reporting, oh, like AMD has had, you know, has had this huge leak where like there's like lots of info about their new GPU and like the cat's out of the bag. Um, and that's not exactly the case, <laughs> thankfully. But at the same time, like, I want to know more about it. Um, but essentially, this is what happened according to WCCF Tech. Um, they have they have people who, uh, you know, the reporters at WCCF Tech have people that they've talked to that wish to remain anonymous, um, but have tools and have insider information about how AMD kind of processes um, processes information and and, and designs uh, microarchitecture for processors. Mm -hmm. um, so this is um, so the, basically the breakdown that WCCF Tech has reported on based on their on their sources, which I totally believe because WCCF Tech is like, if you want to know anything about complicated tech stories, you go to, you go to WCCF Tech. <laughs> um, but basically what they rounded it down to was that no, the stolen intellectual property doesn't represent a source code, so to speak, to building and designing uh, AMD RDNA GPUs um, and that it's not even close. Um, it was just a very small portion of the code um, that uh, that was stolen about this, um, and uh, the, basically that uh, that code is not does not contain enough information to make even the smallest assumption of what the new GPUs you know can do or what they're made of. You know, the, the, any specs on the GPU like there's just not in, any information from what was leaked to really draw any conclusions so you know again it's kind of a sour victory because i want to know more but <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you know it's something right um the code is actually readable and actually um kind of like semi-decipherable um from a program that's called verilog um verilog is again one of these programs that uh, have that helps document and helps read source code that goes into building these GPUs. Um, and, uh, you know, that the, um, basically just the rundown of the, this Verilog system is that uh, Verilog files are, um, are, are typically used in the construction of processors, um, and that Verilog files, uh, specifically the ones for this leak, uh, represent a single and uh, represent a single and isolated function or functions on the GPU, not the whole slash actual GPU blueprint. So it doesn't even tell us, you know, what the GPU is made out of. It just tells us a very small set of instructions that the GPU follows. Um, and uh, yeah, so so really interesting stuff there. Um, according to WCCF Tech uh, again. Um, what the leak is not is that it cannot be used to design or build any of the any of the AMD GPUs. 
Um, and it cannot be used to reverse engineer the product performance at all. Um, it cannot be used to, uh, you know, uh, easily reverse engineer any features or product specifications of the GPU itself. Um, it does not contain data that can be used to easily slash immediately bypass any security features on the GPUs. Um, and it does not contain any like crown jewel quote unquote IP. So it's not anything that like will spoil how the GPU functions in essence. So an interesting leak, yes, only because someone got a hold of it. Not so interesting in the fact that it's going to tell us anything about the GPU. Yeah. So interesting uh, stuff to me, at least. It's probably really <laughs> it's super boring in hindsight, but the fact that we have it is is pretty cool, nonetheless. Um, so that's it for the weekly AMD news. Uh, the next story is also from WCCF Tech. This was actually March 18th. So this was like, what, the day before our last podcast, something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Um, but anyway, still a really cool uh, short snippet story, nonetheless. Um, Seagate announced their Iron their Iron Wolf 510, which is their new line of extremely durable M.2 NVMe SSDs um, with uh, caching speeds up to 3 gigabits uh, per second. So um, that's, a, that's actually the most important thing about this product is that it's actually designed for network attached storage usage, or a NAS, um, which... If anyone knows anything about network attached storage uh, or anything IT related, it's hella expensive to use SSDs in general, like even SATA SSDs, not even talking about uh, M.2 NVMe SSDs, and especially for, for this speed. It's just ridiculous. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there's customers somewhere who are going <laughs> to use this, who's going to use this SSD. Um, just one stick of this Iron Iron Wolf SSD and this picture right here, if you can see that, Ruben, our viewers can't see it, but it's 1.92 terabytes in about a gumstick-sized SSD. insane. Yeah, yeah. So not only are these high-capacity SSDs, um, but as far as, you know, their ratings for what they're going to be doing, like in an IT setting, Uh uh, inside of a network-attached storage, is that... um, is that um, these drives are super reliable in that they're rated for 1.8 million hours uh, of average time in between failures. Wow. So these drives are going to be up and running for 1.8 million hours before they start to fail. So that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's a lot of uptime for sure, um, especially in uh, you know an IT uh, network attached storage setting where it's constantly sending and yeah. receiving files all day, every day, 24-7. That's super, super impressive. Um, it comes with two years of rescue data recovery services, so you know to recover files in case the drive fails. Um, and it has a five-year limited warranty as well. Um, again, not, not inherently exciting for most people, but usually we see some of the most interesting applications in tech in enterprise settings uh-huh. and then that kind of trickles down to the consumer years after so uh like for example uh pcie gen 4 that we're, we've been seeing that uh in the latest ryzen processors that's been a thing for like seven years now at least if i recall correctly but we're just now seeing it on the consumer side 
um, but the Enterprise side has had it for a while now. And so that's kind of, you know, with what we see here with uh, this Iron Wolf SSD, it'll eventually trickle down. <laughs> we'll eventually get it, and hopefully at a cheaper price when it does get to huh. us. Because <laughs> uh, there's no pricing uh, listed on this article for the 1.92 terabyte capacities. Um, but I'm going to tell you something right now. It's probably uh, a four-digit price for that for that drive Jesus. that's my estimate <laughs> um all righty so that's enough for the the seagate announcement here one last story and i think this is probably the coolest story i have um because i participated in it actually so and recently so like within the, the last weekend so um there is a program on the internet that you can sign up with it's called folding at home um and what this program is, is basically a distributed computing project in which you sign up for this program called Folding at Home, and you can donate your computer CPU and GPU power uh, to, to a certain server. I mean, I don't know the specifics of the server, but you donate your calculation power from your PC to the server to run uh, protein simulations. And how proteins, how proteins fold in reaction to like certain enzymes or certain environments or anything like that. Um, so recently, the Folding at Home project has dedicated a, most of its power to running protein simulations for COVID-19. Um, so all you have to do is sign up for the Folding at Home program on their website. Um, you create an identity, so like your username, right? Um, you download the client on your computer. Um, and you can just set it to run full blast using all of your GPU and CPU power. And the client will tell you how many, um, how many, you know, how many calculations, how many points you, you, you've processed yourself and have donated through your computer. Uh -huh. Um, so, uh, you can just keep that running for as long as you can, as long as you want to, as long as you can, you can stop, you know, the, the, the program from running on your computer whenever you want. Um, I ran this program from Saturday night to uh, Sunday, like evening ish, uh -huh. like afternoon. Um, and so I don't have the I don't have the certificates with me right now. Um, but uh, you get a certificate. You can download a certificate that says like, oh, like your username, and then it says has donated their computing power to the Folding at Home project. You've contributed, you know, like this much, you know, like simulation power. And and work and workstation units to this project. So that's cool. Yeah, it's super cool. So I got two certificates. You can claim them whenever you want. You can start it, run it for five minutes, and then get your certificate. But it doesn't look <laughs> as it doesn't look as uh, you know robust. Um, but I got two certificates because um, I heard that you can that you basically produce your own certificate. And so I ran most of the simulations or you know the the processing power with like a gamer tag <laughs> and so i have like my gamer tag like on my certificate so i was like mm, i want one that looks cooler so <laughs> so i did one with like my full name after that and then i got a second certificate with my full name on there um so i'm going to print out my certificates and i am going to mount them on my wall dude that yeah that's super cool i honestly think i'm gonna sign up for that yeah do it's it just like while I'm gone or 
sleeping or at work or whatever just have it running mm -hmm. yeah so like the client itself it's really cool because you can set it to the it's it's like configurable right so the way i had it set up because i was at my sister's so i was like you know hanging out with my sister and her wife mm -hmm. over the weekend so i set my laptop um to run calculations only when it's idle um so like i just set i just set it there i closed my laptop um i set it on the floor and then I immediately heard the the fan spin up, because <laughs> it was it was I was donating my computer power to it, right? Um, and so I just I just left it there. I didn't even touch my laptop because I usually don't when I'm with my sister uh, out of town um, because we're usually hanging out, having fun or whatever. Um, and then I just came back and it was running and it showed me how much I had accomplished by just doing nothing essentially. <laughs> so yeah, like you can do that while you're at work. Um, and it'll and it'll do that, and you'll be contributing. Um, the client doesn't specifically list um, COVID nineteen. Um, you can donate your your computer um, processing power to a handful of different diseases, like um, like running simulations for like HIV um, and other diseases uh, like that. Um, but the default right now is the COVID nineteen virus. So if, as long as you set it to the default option, which is like any, you know, uh, you know, run calculations for any disease, it defaults to COVID-19, which is pretty cool. Um, this, this project actually grew from, I believe, 30,000 active users to about 450,000 over the course of a week. And so they actually got overrun by people trying to, oh, wow. <laughs> trying to donate, you know, I'm their processing that, power. I'm guessing then the program itself is still fairly new. Uh, well, Folding at Home has been a thing for a while. But it hasn't really like, like, it hasn't really been like a serious of a use up until now with COVID nineteen, um, or at least people haven't taken it seriously up until now, which is why we saw the users user base jump from thirty thousand to four hundred fifty thousand within yeah. the course of a week for the coronavirus. Um, some cool tips about that before I end the story because this is my last tech story. Um, is that you can join teams to like donate, you know, to see which team can have the most processing power. Um, currently, as it stands, the number one team, uh, well, actually, no, this is outdated, but um, the number one team is uh, Team Teamless. So the people who just donate their power and don't even join a team. That's like the number one standing. Um, but right behind them is actually the Linus Tech Tips team from YouTube. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so, like, the, the Linus Tech team, uh, Linus Tech Tips team has, like, they're, like, in a commanding second lead. Like, the third place is, is the the, P the PCMR, the PC Master Race uh, group, um, and they're just getting, they're just getting crushed by the Linus Tech, te Linus Tech Tip teams, um, which is, which is crazy. Um, right behind them are other groups like the COVID-19 uh, subreddit, um, WCCF Tech, which I've mentioned already. Um, I did join a team when I joined when I signed up for it, and I joined uh, Team Hardware Canucks, which is one of my favorite uh, YouTube uh, tech reviewing channels uh, uh -huh. based in Canada. Um, they're not even like placed last time I checked, but Jeez. it's pretty cool. I, they were the you know they were one of the first teams that that I saw um, that kind of advocated for this. So I was like, you know what, you know, they were on the ball pretty fast with that. So I donated, you know, my my numbers to their team. So uh, if anyone out there has like a spare computer lying around, 
Uh, again, the project name is folding at home, so folding and then the at symbol home. Um, just Google that and then there'll be the first search result. You just download the client, donate your PC processing power, and then you can print out a cool little certificate for yourself. And you can, you know, say, yeah, tell your grandkids, you know, I I helped defeat coronavirus back in my day, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, cool thing. So I'll let you know when I print out my certificates. I'll, I will post pictures of my certificates. Actually, you know what? I'm going to see if I can just post them straight up because they're just like PDFs. So I'll take like a screenshot and then... I'll post them on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, just so you guys can see that. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's enough of me rambling. That's all the tech news I have for this week. Lots of stories, lots of short little quick stories. But um, with that, uh, the mic is now physically yours, Ruben, so you can talk about the gaming news. Heard that. I will try and not disconnect it this week. I know. I was so conscious. I was like, <laughs> my fingers were like holding the cable in place. Like, it's like a wine cup. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so first up, I'm going to start with one of my Corona stories, which isn't really super big news, but I felt it was a funny story to mention. Um, players in Fallout 76 have begun stockpiling and price gouging toilet paper amidst <laughs> coronavirus. I remember you telling me about that one. And like, um, basically as like coronavirus became more serious and you know you started seeing the shortage in stores... Um, some players started, like, decking out rooms with toilet paper and, like, just, <laughs> like, putting toilet paper in display cases and Fallout. <laughs> and then, I guess, um, I haven't myself played Fallout 76, but I guess they now have, um, like, vending machines mm -hmm. that you can set up in your camp to sell items and you can set your own prices, and that's where they're price gouging them. <laughs> um, and, like... The prices are nuts. Like, I want to say they range from 500 caps, which oh is a lot. Yeah. And then one user even posted a picture of a single roll going for 25,000 caps. Oh my gosh. That's just, <laughs> that's just a parody, man. We're, we're being loud. What's at. funny <laughs> is um, apparently, according to the subreddit, some players are willing to pay those prices. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that's my little my little funny story of the week that's your coronavirus story <laughs> and then i have one that's that correlates to um coronavirus um nascar is now an esports sir did you hear about this what did no you? please do tell okay so Basically, NASCAR had their first ever super successful virtual race over the past weekend, um, where a mix of current and former drivers raced each other online, and a lot of people watched. It was actually broadcasted like, um, it was so popular that Fox and NASCAR decided that they're going to broadcast a whole season of it on TV. Oh, shoot. And it's going to be called uh, NASCAR iRacing. Um, so basically, this event was called iRacing Pro Inventational Series and it ho and it had with it like obviously professional gamers mm -hmm. but there were also a lot of like real life NASCAR, NASCAR drivers <laughs> yeah um let's see like they said in first place was three-time Daytona 500 winner Denny Hamlin <laughs> and then I want to say second place if I'm not mistaken um Ninja <laughs> no. Um, oh man, I had his name 
on the tip of my tongue. Let's see here. Oh, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know NASCAR, and that's a familiar name. Yeah, like, there, <laughs> there were some big names, which I think is absolutely insane. Apparently, the game is called um, iRacer, I believe, and it's super accurate with, like, car controls and how everything handles. Mm-hmm. Um, and... In this race, they were basically, obviously, since it's not real, like, you don't have the wear down on your tires, so what they did to replace that is if you were to crash and completely, or if you were to crash and wreck your car, um, you were allowed two full restores during the race to where your car would be back into perfect condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could use them whenever you want, however, once they're up, they're up. Yeah. Um, and it was a 100 lap race oh my god so it was like super legit and a lot of people watched it yeah which i mean i'm not myself a nascar fan but that kind of blows my mind yeah for sure like and look at how like that's from that's a game yeah oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um it took me a second to realize that was the game not gonna lie and I'm not going to lie, like, hearing this story, when I read it, I was like, I want to play this game. <laughs> I was like, I would love to enter a tournament and just be like, yeah, I've raced with Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> Get your own certificate about that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I just thought that was super cool. Um, and, you know, I said I didn't have any Corona stories, but here we go on to our third one. Uh, Minecraft is getting free educational worlds to help kids stuck inside. Wow. Um, With schools being shut down all over the world during coronavirus, Microsoft is adding a new category to Minecraft's uh, marketplace that contains free educational worlds. The curated list comes from Minecraft Education Edition, um, the version of the game designed for use in classrooms. Let's see. That's pretty dope. Yeah. It says, uh, as well as learning about the ISS, kids will code with a robot, explore landmarks in Washington, D.C., build 3D fractals, and learn what it's like to be a marine biologist. Which makes me think, like, what <laughs> age group are these kids? Yeah. Like, because. Could be any, dude. They could be five years old. Yeah, I was like, because I can hop in this and definitely learn some stuff. <laughs> Um, I'm honestly like props to Microsoft for doing this and Minecraft, but I honestly thought that there already was stuff like this in Minecraft. Perhaps yeah. I was thinking of like maybe just actual like user made stuff and not for official sure. Minecraft. Yeah. Um, but I definitely don't think Minecraft's going to be the last ones to do it. Um, just because there's so many different sandbox creation games that you could do this with. Yeah. Especially ones that are geared towards the younger audience, such as like Roblox and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, we hope that Minecraft's not the only one who does this. It would honestly be mind-boggling if so. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, next up, a bit of a tech news story kinda um thanks to a new echo cast extension 
between Twitch and Borderlands, you can now buy a Twitch streamer a drink in Borderlands that will give random buffs. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, basically, the way it works is you don't if you donate to a Twitch streamer, you can choose like to donate these things that are called instead of like them being Twitch bits, they're called let's see here. I believe it was like sugar. Oh uh, yeah, bits of sugar, um, which triggers the Mox Tales event, where the bartender Moxie will appear and present the audience with a poll. The poll will result. The poll result will help determine the ingredients in the Mox Tale. The strength, on the other hand, will be determined by the number of bits of sugar, and basically, like it can range from like any kind of buff to I believe they even mention randomizers. And then to top it off, like, the more you donate, you also have... I don't know if it's the more you donate or exactly how it works, but you also get a chance to get something for your own Borderlands playthrough, mm -hmm. which I thought's really cool. Yeah, maybe that's, like, a lottery system or something. Um, I'd be very interested to see definitely more games come out with this. Yeah. Because I think the possibilities are, like, endless. Like, can you imagine just, like, controlling even like the difficulty or like if it's a game where there's infinite numbers of waves like let's say risk of rain 2 could you imagine if like you if the audience could control exactly how much is coming at you yeah or the strength of what's coming at you or like even have that like be the only way you get items yeah, and yeah. like where people buy like your equipment, like I don't know. I just I thought it was really interesting and cool. Um, I don't know what you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so th this this sounds like uh, this sounds like uh, we've seen something like this before in a much simpler way with uh, Twitch plays. So like the Twitch plays Pokemon. I don't know if you ever saw that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So that was super interesting to see. You know, Twitch. You know, Twitch chat essentially just play a Pokemon game. <laughs> um, I I've I've uh, never seen like like an extended playthrough or like a big section of Twitch plays Pokemon. So I have to look that up. Oh, you know, dude, and watch it. Horrible. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's chaotic. The amount like... of Pokemon that people like just released after catching is <laughs> oh, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some good ones too that they released right after too, um, but yeah. So like we, we you know we, we know this you know crowdsourced you know kind of gameplay experience before, um, and I definitely think that it it's the amount of engagement and how it's managed is the most important thing. Um, so yeah, just doing it that way through Borderlands is like super super interesting. Uh, Risk of Rain, you know, would be another thing like you mentioned there. Um, I was I was picturing like instead of having the game uh, level the the game's um, level director, you know, which is the system that's in charge of spawning items in the mm -hmm. you know in the level as well as like you know the chances for lunar items as well as you know spawning in certain mobs according to the time. Like having just like Twitch chat be the level director oh that'd like, be super cool yeah like if a bot in the twitch chat said all right like your level director you know uh budget is you know twenty thousand dollars uh you know do, how would you like to spend the twenty thousand dollars on the level it's like all right we're just gonna waste it all on, on spawning eight you know uh stone titans on level <laughs> one 
and you have to deal with eight stone titans on level one, you know, for risk of rain, and you have to, you know, you have to survive that. So yeah, definitely. I think there's, I think people are, people already have the creativity to do this kind of thing. It's the tools that we're lacking. Yeah. You know, especially with software, with being super complicated, trying to integrate Twitch chat into a game, like that's super complicated. Not gonna lie. Um, but someone somewhere is gonna do it, and when that happens, it's gonna be awesome. And then not only not only to have it like go through chat like that, but for it to go through and communicate with the person's game, like that's just insane to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me see here. I want to say I had another thing on my mind about that Borderlands one, but maybe I'll come back to it. Um. Speaking of Risk of Rain, sir, I know you're super excited, as am I. Woo! The Artifacts update comes out in five days. Uh, already five, five days? Five days. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, yeah, that's going to be Tuesday. That's going to be Tuesday of next week. Oh, man. <laughs> that's going to be great. Um, well, with this update, sir, as you know, Artifacts are going to be coming back. And basically what Artifacts are, for those who might not know is they modify your game um, in a variety of ways from being helpful to not helpful whatsoever. Um, so they have ones that range from like choosing your own items instead of getting random ones to, you know, um, you deal 500% normal damage but have only 10% health, which I mean I'm pretty sure we do on our own with all the shaped glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Along with artifacts, though, it's going to bring other new features, including another character, so we're finally going to get our last character, mm -hmm. and level type. Um, I want to say there is also going to be a new hidden boss. Oh, yeah, new hidden boss. Um, Sky Meadow is going to be returning as a fifth stage. I've never played that because I want to say they got rid of it when I got the game. I don't know if you've played that map. Sky Meadows? Yeah. I know it's a map in the first Risk of Rain game. Okay, so maybe that's what they mean by returns. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I never played the first one. Yeah, either. so it's in Risk of Rain 1, and that level is going to be the permanent fifth stage now. So it's no longer going to be a four-stage rotation. It's going to be a five-stage rotation. Which is nice. Which is, yeah, it's nice, but it's also nuts. Like, that. that's going to completely change the way of how we have to pace ourselves each level. Yeah. Before we get outscaled by the game, basically. <laughs> um so I'm super excited to see that. Um, I also saw that we're supposed to be getting the engineer skin. Yep. With this one as well, um, we're also we also should be getting some new secondary abilities uh, for Huntress. Um, I believe engineer as well. Um, I know we're getting some secondary abilities for Acrid too. Yep. Um, I know I know I'm missing someone for getting some more seconds. Commando, my Commando. guy. Commando, yes, yes, Commando. You almost had them all. <laughs> so, almost, almost, yeah. So I'm super excited for, for those. Um, I believe we're... No, I don't think we're getting new items, or maybe... Um, yeah, we should be getting new lunar items, I believe. Let me oh, see. yeah, we're getting a new uh, uh, strides. Or no, we're getting a new heresy item. That's the one that I remember... That's the only item, actually, I remember that we're supposed to be getting this update. It's going to be, since we already have Visions of Heresy and Strides of Heresy, we're going to be getting a third Heresy item. And since the Strides and Visions of Heresy, they replace, like, your your M2 and your and your uh, primary attack, 
um, this new heresy item is going to replace something. <laughs> Hopefully with something better for a change, because I feel like that item sucks so bad. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to see Visions of Heresy, which I think that's the auto-attack replacing one. I don't see it being super useful for anyone. I th- I just think it's too weak. I think if it was stronger, it'd be super useful for, yeah. like, Engineer, for example, whereas auto-attacks are just, like, you know, basically little bombs, that, you know, little grenades, short-range grenades, or, like, um, they could be really good for, like, Acred, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't have, you know, he has some ranged attacks, but, you know, having a constant range auto-attack would really help his game. Um, if it was strong enough, right? But, you know, that item isn't really worth it on anyone, I feel. I feel like it might be more useful on Loader, just because that's the only, that's one of the few basic attacks that I feel really lacks. Um, obviously, Mercenaries melee also, but way better at melee than, than Loader. Because when I play Loader, I primarily only stick to my second mouse click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I feel like in loader, like your your auto attacks aren't uh, aren't the most necessary thing in your kit. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, mercenary, like your auto attacks are like one of like it meshes well as far as importance with the rest of your kit. Yeah. Which is why it's it's not worth it. That, that's basically the case with all the other survivors. If your auto attack is pretty important in your kit as far as surviving and dealing damage then taking, the, you know, the Visions of Heresy is not going to be worth it. And then, uh, thanks to this update coming out starting on March 31st, for those who don't have it, um, it will be 20% off for a week on Steam. Woo! So if you don't have it, I definitely recommend picking it up. Yeah, and it's already cheap. It's like, what, 15 bucks? Yeah, maybe? I think so. Or $19 or something like that? I bought it a long time ago, so I don't remember. Um, that's me flexing my, uh, my uh, risk of rain muscle there, <laughs> and then um, just I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it down and only do two more stories. Um, let's see. Next up, Epic is now a multi-platform publisher, sir. Um, announcing the new Epic Games publishing label today, um, just as it did when it was revealed. Um, they're squeezing into the digital storefront business. Uh, it's promising to do things different though, in a way that really benefits developers um under the new publishing label it's already planning to release games from developers behind last guardian limbo and control um they said remedy has already worked with epic as control is exclusive to its store until at least august but as a publisher it's going to be responsible for a lot more than distribution According to Epic, it will be covering up to 100% of development costs, including salaries, QA, localization, and marketing. Dang. Um, but developers won't have to give up ownership of their games or creative control in the bargain. Dang. So it is like win, 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 win for yeah. devs. I wonder what the catch is. You there's got to be something. You would think there's got to be something. Yes. Um, let's see. As... As for the profit split, developers will get at least 50% after Epic has recouped costs. Ooh, that's the catch. Yeah. <laughs> that's the catch. <laughs> Epic puts in millions upon millions or hundreds of millions of dollars into that. The, you know, the creators probably won't see their cut for a long time. I that's can, how I see it. Yeah. Um, I feel like if Epic advertises it, enough which i mean is of course more cost 
Um, and they use Remedy's current success. Obviously, Control was a big game last year, you know, game of the year um, for a lot of places. Um, as long as they, you know, reinforce that, you know, from the makers of Control, I feel like they'll have a really good job of selling it, especially since um, Remedy has already announced that supposedly they're working on their most ambitious project to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think, I mean, I hope it really works out for the developers. Yeah. If Epic is eating up a lot of the cost, you know, it could also help secure some of those jobs of those lesser successful game dev companies you won't possibly see as many like going out of business if epic backs them which is nice yeah yeah um let's see it says they they put out a statement saying we're building the publishing model as we always wanted for ourselves when we worked with publishers said epic games ceo um it's it's a similar sentiment to the one Sweeney has said is behind the Epic Game Store which is trouted which is touted as being a more developer friendly um deal. Let's see, like Epic's strategy with its store, however, there is the question of its sustainability. Epic have been throwing its money around to a net exclusive launches and weekly free games to tempt people <laughs> into installing another platform. <laughs> <laughs> See, in January, Epic announced that $680 million had been spent on the store. Jeez. That's wild. That's a pretty penny. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, I'm wondering how many more people they're going to be able to get on board with this. I would imagine a lot of people clamoring towards them um, because... I mean, you really have nothing to lose if you're not if you if you're not putting all of your own money and then your game doesn't work, like you're done. And if Epic's yeah. eating all those costs, you know, we might see any publisher like put out a couple booty games and then just have a super banger that they wouldn't have been able to put out before. Yeah. Um so I'm super excited to see where this leads. Um, I've noticed lately a lot less people hating on Epic Game Store since they seem to be slowly getting their act together. Yeah, they're definitely winning the hearts of the people over. I mean, they definitely won me over. Just, yeah. I mean, just for all the free stuff that they put out there, like, they're clearly trying to win people over, and it's worked for me so far. I've gotten a lot of good games off of Epic for yeah. free. For, for, I, don't even, I don't even have to log into the client. I just log into their website on my phone and I claim the game, and that's it. Literally. I, like, set an alarm on my phone to go off every week on Thursday at 12 in the afternoon, and then I just sign in, claim whatever games are there, <laughs> and that's that. Like All in a day. It's a five-minute process. Um, a week. Especially this week, dude, World War Z. Like, Yeah, that was a surprise. That was a really big surprise. I'm, I'm like, 99% positive they didn't advertise that last week. They only advertised um, the... The other two, I can't. The names are escaping me right now. Stanley Parable and no, those were last week's games. Because oh, normally you see you see the games free for this week, and then it shows you what will be free next week. Mm-hmm. And I want to say they only showed the that game that takes place in your mind that Matt is playing that I can't yeah. remember. And then uh, Figment. Yeah, Figment, and then I can't remember. Then the other game. 
<laughs> Whatever it is. And then last story, sir, is basically three mashed into one because Nintendo dropped a Nintendo Direct Mini today out of seemingly nowhere. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, announcing, you know, a bunch of new games, a bunch of games that were on platform, other platforms coming over to Switch. Um, one of which, and I'm going to name this one first because I love this game, Star Wars Episode One Racer is going to be coming to Switch. It had its own... Wait. <laughs> Oh, it's like the pod racing game. Yeah. Right? Okay, it's I remember on, that one. It's gonna be on Switch. Oh, jeez. Dude, <laughs> you're, gonna go out, you're gonna get a Switch. Dude, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Are you kidding? Oh, dude, when I announced that, when they announced that, I was like, no way. <laughs> um, as far as I know, it's gonna be the exact same um, game. I don't believe they're going to be updating the graphics. I believe it's going to be just like the release that is on Steam. However, I believe that they said they're going to be trying to make it so that you can play online. But let me check because I don't want to just say that. Mm-hmm. Players can choose between three single-player game modes. Tournament mode, free race mode, or time attack mode. Um, let's see. So, I am not seeing any online. However, I hope they add it because that it would be like... That'd be the turning point. Because I know Episode 1 Racer on Steam is single player. I believe someone created like a mod to where you can play it with other people, but I don't yeah. know how reliable it is. Um, they tend you, to not be that reliable. Did you ever play it? Episode 1 Racer? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I was terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Dude, that but is like one of my favorite racing games. I don't know if it's just because... I, I don't know. It was just super fun to me. I think... I think... I don't think I ever played it on console. I'm pretty sure I played it like in arcade setting. But my memory isn't good enough to perfectly recall yeah i had it on nintendo 64 my dude there you go and i did i do remember it was on nintendo 64 <laughs> yeah, yeah so maybe it would maybe i played it on nintendo 64 i don't know i doubt it though because i never had one um do you remember when the nintendo 64 was in like mcdonald's yes <laughs> yeah mario kart yeah i would play i would play pokemon snap I don't think I ever I saw know. that at, at a McDonald's one. I love Pokemon Snap. I really wish yeah. they would have like done a re-release of that or put it on Steam or something. Kept that, too. yeah. And I also remember when they had uh, GameCubes inside of McDonald's. I don't remember that. I I am pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was the case. I don't know. My memory's not that good. I remember when they had all the GameCubes and PlayStation Twos set up in Walmart. Yeah, I, I would play Beautiful Joe on the GameCube, dude. I remember that. That was a fun game. It was then a fun you, little platform. Then you'd walk out of the store with your neck all cranked. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> my head just like locked up in the forward position. I remember that. Good memories. Um, Nintendo Direct also 2K announced that Bioshock, Borderlands, and XCOM games are all going to be coming to Nintendo Switch in May. Um, let's see. Bio, it's going to have three different game collections. There's going to be Bioshock Collection, which includes the original game, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite. Dang. 
um, Borderlands Legendary Collection, which is going to have Borderlands 1, 2, and the pre-sequel, which I believe is the first time that's been done. Um, I know they have, they've had, like, the Handsome Jack bundle, but that's only two in pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all three bundled together, which is pretty dope. Um, and then, of course, the XCOM 2 collection, which includes the base game as well as the War of Chosen expansion and four DLC packs. I feel like XCOM is, like, a re- relatively underrated game. I've never played it. Um, it is kind of turn-based strategy, yeah? I think so. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I've always wanted to play it when I see it, but it's not a game that I go out of my way to play. I know there's yeah. a big following, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a huge XCOM uh, community. I'm not part of that community, so call me a poser, but I've heard good things about XCOM. And it shows because, I mean, it's still being distributed. <laughs> you know, people are still playing the game, people are still paying for it, so... And then, of course, um, Nintendo also named some more games coming out. Um, King's Bounty 2, uh, free-to-play action game Ninjala, Catherine Full Body, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, mm-hmm. um, the Elder Scrolls Blades, which, for those who don't know, is the mobile Elder Scrolls game is going to be coming to Switch for some reason. Yeah. Um, That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Saints Row 4 Reelected. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons, you know, they had quite a few games, but those are those are the ones I'm choosing to call out. Um, let's see. I believe that, sir, might be all my gaming news. Dang. Some good stuff. Indeed. Yeah, for sure. I think we should definitely talk about the LCS and its current standings right now. I'm down. I have not looked in a while because I honestly, last I heard, they were canceled and I knew they were thinking about continuing them online, but I just stopped following it. Yeah, so interesting thing about that is that the the players' union, uh, so like that's like a handful of different players among the LCS, among different teams that get to vote, uh, you know, as far as like how things are done. So a vast majority of them voted to cancel the split. But the split's not canceled. It's still going on funny enough yeah so it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a it's gonna be like a remote uh a remote thing like an online like like we've seen it the past week yeah that's how the the split is gonna continue um there's lots of questions as to like competitive integrity like because i don't know if you know this about the lcs but um in the lcs uh you know there's referees in the games and so the referees are there to enforce like communications during pauses rules of the pause um um, for example, the peripherals that you see the pros play with, those peripherals are kept in a riot locker that have to be unlocked before every game and then put back in the locker after every game. <laughs> yeah, it's like super secured down. Like, there's lots of little rules about the LCS that most people don't know about, and those two are the only ones that I know of specifically. Um, like, you, you can't communicate with your team during a pause. Like, you know, there's lots of little things like that. Um uh, another interesting rule is that you're not allowed to take off your headset or stand up from your chair until like the victory screen pops up from the game. That is weird because it's considered unsportsmanlike conduct to do that beforehand. 
that's yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah so that's considered like bming in real life if you do that apparently um but there's lots of little rules in the lcs right now like that that are not going to be enforceable now right um (laughs) with in-house games like that um one thing that came to mind is uh if coaches really wanted to cheat i don't think they would but if they wanted to cheat they could like stand amongst their players and kind of like you know, like, right. be like, hey, watch out, man. Like, watch your screen. Look, he's going to gank here. Like, reminder, it's four, you know, four minutes into the game, which means you're going to get ganked by the enemy, you know, laner. He's on the side of the map. You know, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, lots of different things up in the air. Um, that it's, it's a point of contention right now as far as, you know, the competitive integrity in the LCS for doing it in this format versus, you know, like, an in-person format. Um, from what I heard, I will dominate say in the face check podcast that they do is that the original plan was to um, restrict the games to and to to offsite, which uh, you know they weren't going to be like at the LA Staples Center. Uh-huh. It was going to be like in the Riot Game Studio, um, where it would just be the teams, just essential staff, referees, and the coaches um, in like a room for the games. And then they were just gonna. They weren't gonna broadcast that room because it'd be super depressing. <laughs> but it would just. But they. It would still be you know like in a riot enforced environment with all the rules implemented. Um, but that's not the case. It's just gonna be you know remote games now. Mm. So really interesting on that. Um, support uh, surprisingly enough, uh, Jack from Cloud Nine, the the owner of Cloud Nine, um, on a Reddit post I believe he said that everyone on Cloud Nine voted to continue the split. Which is not a surprise because now they're fifteen and one in a commanding first place yeah. lead. Um, there is a three way tie currently uh, between Evil Geniuses, TSM, and FlyQuest for second. Uh, they're all at nine wins and seven losses. <laughs> Jeez, six losses behind first place. That's ridiculous. Um, behind them are two uh, teams tied for fifth in Immortals and Hundred Thieves. You have Team Liquid in a solid 7th place at 7 wins and 9 losses. Uh, You have Dignitas and Golden Guardians tied for 8th at 6 wins and 10 losses. And then you have CLG that was knocked out of playoffs 2 weeks ago uh, with 3 wins and 13 losses. Sad. Yeah. Um, Fun fact uh, about Dignitas, they've only won 1 game in this half of the split. Ooh. They've been on a hot losing streak for a while. <laughs> um, needless to say, the same about CLG, right? Um, but uh, some interesting tidbits about how the season, since we're going to the end of the spring split, how it's going to end. Um, most of the eyes are on Evil Geniuses to kind of push their way and be the second place team. Uh, if we go back to our predictions of the LCS before the, the split started... You guys know that I am kind of like a, you know, I'm a like a closeted evil genius fan <laughs> because I respect a lot of the players on that team. You got Kumo in the top lane. You got, uh, you know, you have Zazel in support. You got, uh, uh, you have Spence Garen in the jungle. Um, I believe you also have, um, you have Bang as their ADC. So you have lots of good players on evil geniuses. Um, and I definitely thought that they were going to be, you know, one of the top teams. And they are because they're tied for second. So they're expected to be, you know, they're expected to hotly contest TSM for that second place. Um, but just given TSM's reputation and their performance recently, I think EG is going to just squeeze them out a little bit. Um, one important thing about Team Liquid is that um, there's, there's, uh, I believe there's three games left 
in the split from what I remember I Will Dominate say in the Face Check podcast. Um, Team Liquid has to win all three of those in order to make it to playoffs. Uh, and one of those games is against Cloud9. Ooh. Yeah. So they have to win all those games if they want to have a tiebreaker, uh, if they want to have a tiebreaking game against like FlyQuest, TSM, and EG. Um, but again, one of those games is against Cloud9, and they're expected to lose the game versus Cloud9. As is expected for everyone to lose against Cloud9 at yeah. this point. Um, unless, you know, you're having an off day and you're playing TSM, which is what they lost to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a tough ride for Team Liquid. It's been a tough ride this whole split for Team Liquid and Team Liquid fans. Um, they also mentioned this on the Face Check podcast, you know, with I Will Dominate, uh, Degon, and, and Loco Doco. Um, but Loco uh, thinks that there are going to be roster changes in, in Team Liquid after this split. Um, and I personally think that's going to happen. I think they're going to get rid of someone. Uh, they might get rid of their coach. They might change their coach. I don't know. That's what that's what Loco thinks. Uh, is that pretty much what I think? Yeah, just because it makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so it's some slippery slopes coming up for Team Liquid. Honestly, at the beginning of the split, if you were to tell me top two teams, obviously I know they're tied for second, but if you were to tell me the top two teams were going to be C9 and TSM, I would have laughed at you. Yeah, for real. I legit thought Liquid would be up there. I thought... Dignitas would be at least, you know, maybe third or fourth. Um, <laughs> but this whole everybody to me is just in the wrong place. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really like, are. To, like this split has been the most unpredictable for me because I feel like I at least usually nail like four or five of the teams. And I haven't nailed a single one. Yeah. <laughs> and your fantasy predictions? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Zero points. Uh, yeah, me too. I definitely feel that way. Um, at least I was somewhat right about EG, you know, being like a top, top contender. And I'm glad to see that because those guys have proved themselves. Um, kind of pissed that Cloud9's number one after that, what they went through what they did to our boy Sneaky. Um but uh, I don't know. I guess the LCS stands with or without our opinion. So mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see. Um, that's really all I have to say about the LCS right now. I wonder what the deciding factor in saying, I know most people voted to cancel it, but we're going to go anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I smell some BS there. Someone, someone's, honestly. someone's making some money they didn't want to give up. Yep. <laughs> for, for sure. For sure. Um, and I'm sure there's some people that explain how that works, um, you know, like to dot esports or something like that. I haven't looked into it, but I, I don't know how that how that system processes the votes of the, you know, that uh, of Le- League of Legends player committee. Um, but uh, that's just me being unprepared for this podcast. So maybe next time. <laughs> until next time, then, sir. Yeah, until next time. We had a pretty good podcast. Um, I hope all of you are staying sane. Uh, and, uh, you know, happy with your coronavirus quarantine. Uh, again, we encourage you to listen to all of our podcasts um, as we have published them. Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can go to YouTube. Um, if you follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you'll get notifications. Um, I'm going to make an effort to publish my, uh, to publish my 
folding at home certificate when I get home because I'm pretty sure I have that saved on my laptop. Um, but uh, yeah, just keep on showing your support. Um, the last couple of days on Facebook, I've been getting notifications that we've been getting three views on our Facebook profile for the podcast. So whoever it is out there who's looking at her Facebook, thank you. <laughs> Um, share us please yes share us I mean if anyone remembers I'm still holding up my end of the bargain that if our Facebook page gets 100 likes I will eat a dog treat and I will live stream it so that's still that's still a thing guys so unless you you know if you, unless you don't want to see me eat a dog treat if you guys <laughs> y'all missing out you're missing out and as a precursor is what that's like you should YouTube uh, redneck tries cheap <laughs> Cheap dog food versus expensive dog food. <laughs> oh, I love that video. That video was brought to me courtesy of Ruben. I love it. I love it. But uh, but yeah, anyways, we'll let you guys go. Uh, survive your quarantine. We're surviving just fine. Uh, if we get coronavirus, we'll let you guys know. I, a couple episodes, we, we, we canceled the weekly episode because we said we were recovering from West Nile virus <laughs> right before this whole corona thing started. <laughs> I promise it. Well, I didn't get Corona. Maybe Ruben did actually. I was deathly sick, but that yeah. was that was a little while ago. Yeah, before the before the outbreak. So maybe you had it and then you recovered successfully. Uh, but anyways, we'll let you guys go. Thank you for your support, and we will catch y'all next week. Woo-hoo. Time to roll that juicy outro music. Which one are we playing today? We're gonna play Battle of the Pogs. Hey. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>